Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You're listening to What's the Crack, and today I'm interviewing Henry Fisher, partner of Hanway Associates and a senior chemist for The Loop, a harm reduction charity that have been drug testing at festivals in the UK. In today's episode, Henry and I find out what's the crack with The Loop's drug testing, the support and criticisms of the testing, how it is legally possible, and what's the crack with drugs that turn out to be not what they seem. I hope you enjoy the episode, and remember to follow up on Twitter at WhatTheCrackPod, or email at whatsthecrackpodcast at gmail.com. Enjoy! Hello Henry, could you start by telling us a bit about yourself and what you do? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I I do a number of things, but uh, so uh, pr- predominantly the reason why I'm uh, speaking to you is because I'm one of the senior chemists and part of the senior management team for The Loop, which is a harm reduction organization is most well known for, for doing uh, providing its uh, drug testing service at festivals but it also provides other services as well but then also I've done a number of uh, drugs related things uh, I've, I've worked for Voltface which is a drug policy think tank um, and before that I worked for the Beckley Foundation which was also uh, a think tank that's involved in in uh, drug related research and I now work for uh, or I, I have recently started a consultancy called Hanway Associates, which consults to the legal cannabis industry, which recently co-hosted a conference called Cannabis Europa. Awesome. Thanks so much. Okay, so could you explain a little bit more about Hanway Associates and why it was created? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, Hanway Associates is, is a quite a new a new concept, really. I mean, it's, it's quite exciting to be kind of to have started a company and, and be working a job which probably more than two years ago couldn't really existed um uh so hanway associates formed from uh, an idea that i had with uh, two of my colleagues when we worked at vault face uh, uh alistair moore and uh, george mcbride where we realized that there was kind of a role for kind of bridging the space between uh i guess what, what think tanks and what academics do um in terms of kind of uh, guiding policy and the kind of uh, nascent cannabis industry. And so what we do is we provide policy advice and other kind of related business advice and market entry advice for uh, the cannabis industry, but also kind of other stakeholders, uh, charities and, 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 and yeah, other places on, on issues relating to cannabis and cannabis policy, but also with, with a kind of overall focus of, I guess, making the cannabis industry more sustainable, uh, more ethical, um, and more successful with the kind of aim being that a more successful and, and more ethical industry is then more likely to be adopted in other parts of the world and lead to uh, hopefully a, a, a new ethical industry rather than it kind of going going the way of the tobacco industry. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you say an ethical industry, do you mean like the opposite of a tobacco industry? Or do you mean sustainability of growing, such as not using pesticides, thinking about the environmental impact, etc.? Kind of all of the above, really. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that, that a friend of mine, another think tank, uh, Steve Rolls at Transform, has said about governments creating new new cannabis policy is that, um, you know, we have a blank slate to create new policy. Um, and, and so it can be whatever we whatever we want and we can produce our ideal new regulations. But there's another way of looking at it, which is as well as the policy and the regulations being new, it's also a completely new industry, which means we have the opportunity to create the industry that we want. You don't just have to um, confine industry by the regulations that are put upon it. You can actually kind of create an ethical industry itself by the people that act in it and the, and the ethos of those companies within it. You're always going to get people who are just money focused in any industry, and there's plenty of them in the cannabis industry, certainly. Um, but it also provides an opportunity to actually promote responsible ideas, whether that's responsible uh, with relating to work practices and human capital, or whether it's related to the environment, uh, which is a primary concern with cannabis, which can be grown very, in a very environmentally friendly way, or it can be grown in a less environmentally friendly way that uses a lot of energy, uh, and also in terms of uh, business practices, whether, whether actually these companies are promoting ethical business practices, whether they're supporting other issues that are relevant. I mean, I think one of the interesting things about the cannabis industry, full stop, is it's really is the first industry that is a, essentially is the child of drug policy reform. You know, any other uh, industries that, that relate to drugs, so legal drugs, so tobacco or, or alcohol um, or pharmaceuticals, they haven't been they haven't come out of, of, of uh, a sustained campaign to, to get rid of pro prohibition. And so consequently, cannabis is, it sort of owes more of a debt to, to wider drug policy reform. And it's in a place where, where now there's a lot of money in the industry and it could actually do something about other issues that, 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 that are related or it could turn its back on it. And I think it's, it's important for the cannabis industry to actually acknowledge this and do something for wider drug policy reform. And I think there's a lot of people in the cannabis industry who understand wider drug policy arguments and, and actually want to do something for that, whether it's in terms of funding harm reduction initiatives, funding arms length uh, research, uh, which, which it's not kind of influencing with its own money, it just sort of you know, creates a pot which allows independent research to be done into either the cannabis industry or cannabis uh, sort of benefits and harms or whatever it might be. But there's there's a lot of potential for the, for the cannabis industry to actually kind of impart wider benefit, but it won't necessarily do it if it's not being persuaded that it should. So that's what we're hoping to try and help do. Great. Thank you. Let's now move on to talking about The Loop. So you are also a senior chemist at The Loop. Could you explain who The Loop are, please? Yeah. So so The Loop is, uh, as I said, it's, it's a harm reduction organization. Um, it was founded in 2013 by Professor Fiona Meesham, who is a professor of criminology at Durham University, who studied drug use in society and primarily recreational drug use uh, for the last kind of 25 years or so. Um, and uh, Wilf uh, Gregory, who is a, a uh, festival uh, events organizer and, and promoter. And they kind of got together and back in 2013 thought we could actually be doing more to protect festival goers and clubbers. Fiona had seen the Home Office uh, using certain equipment to, to actually analyze drugs for its own purposes uh, at various events. And that gave her an idea that actually uh, she could actually do the same with the same equipment, but for a different purpose, for actually providing uh, information and advice to, to clubbers and festival goers. 
uh, with with the end goal of of reducing harm and, and sort of promoting information. And so they set that up. And for the first few years, they they provided a back of house testing. So that's where, where they test uh, samples handed in in amnesty bins or confiscated by the police and security. And then in 2016, they managed to get the first uh, first event. Where, or first events where where they were able to provide front of house testing so that's where members of the public could come hand over a sample of whatever might be in their possession uh, the loop could then test it so we have a, a lab on site at, at these events uh, i'm one of the chemists that, uh, that that mans it as you have been l in the past uh well so we test a sample we find out what what its identity is uh what uh, its strength uh, and purity is if it's got any particularly concerning um adulterants in and we then uh, we, we then pass that information to our team of, of trained healthcare professionals who then communicate that back to the person using the service uh, as part of a kind of 15-minute counselling session where they talk through uh, not just the, the, the identity of the sample, but also kind of wider harm reduction information, so the harms of, of whatever drug that might be, any questions that person has, their, their drug use history, to help them actually understand the kind of the risks of drug use and how to actually reduce those risks. So yeah, then the Loop have been providing that service at festivals since 2016. Um, in fact, I just got back uh, from working at a festival in Birmingham this year, uh, which was the first time we'd worked at that festival. And it was actually the first weekend where we've worked at multiple festivals. We were at four different events this weekend, which was, yeah, interesting. Yeah, how was that? Because when I volunteered for the Loop with you last year at the Secret Garden Party, there were limited resources in the fact that the same equipment that we were using had to be packed up and sent to another festival immediately, as in there was not enough equipment to be at more than one festival at one time. So I assume it's been expanded now? Uh, yeah, we've we've expanded our service, you know, part, partly through to just a huge amount of interest that there's been this year in, in the Loop. So in 2016, we were at two festivals. Uh, last year, we were at three festivals. This year, we've already been at something like uh, at least five festivals doing doing front of house, or four, four festivals doing front of house, and one was sort of doing a similar, uh, providing a similar service. And we've got uh, at, at least three more that, we, that, that have been announced coming up and possibly even more this summer. Uh, so yeah, we have had to massively expand our service and also kind of beg and borrow, not steal, other equipment from from other uh, services uh, so that we could actually expand our operation. That's fantastic. I also remember when volunteering that the people who use the service, so the festival goers, the reception was quite positive and people were generally amazed at the service and how they could talk quite openly about drugs and receive harm reduction advice. Is the experience that I got similar across the board? No, I think it's it's fair to say that that positive experience has continued, uh, and 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 there's been there's been more of the same. Uh, I think festival goers have been invariably kind of delighted to to see us. I think the only time when they're perhaps not so not so happy is when they get results back, which aren't what they expect. Uh, but no, that both festival goers, but also the festivals themselves, um, have been hugely supportive uh, of us. Um, I'm very glad to see us there. And in fact, the the interesting thing this year, having obviously just just come back from 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 providing a service, is that whereas last year and then the first year we did it, it was quite sensationalist. A lot of the media around it, and and people were quite surprised and almost incredulous at first that we were able to provide this service. And it's now we're not not quite there yet, but it's started to evolve where now 
people are far more familiar with the concept and uh, and it, i mean certainly not ex- expected yet but people understand uh what the service is to a greater extent they uh and, and they're happy to see us there but they 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 also they're familiar uh with, with the loop so that we don't have to kind of reassure them to quite the same extent that we're not some kind of like secret trap by the police well yeah I, I remember a few questions that were coming up as to why it was legal why like why was it legal for you to walk into a service and get your drug tested why aren't the police raiding the services so could you explain a bit more about the, the legality surrounding the drug service please yeah well yeah why, why we are actually allowed to provide that service i mean there, there's some there's a few very clear kind of guidelines and restrictions that, that we need to make sure that we adhere to to ensure that the service we're providing is legal. So first and foremost, the one key element that, that's worth understanding is that any sample that is given to us, uh, we, we analyze, but we then don't give any of it back. So anything that is given to us is either destroyed in the testing process or um, it, it's given to the police for, for disposal. Uh, so that, that, that ensures that, that we're not kind of returning anything or, or you know, we could be implicated in kind of, uh, uh, supply. Another uh, aspect of, of, of our legality is, and the fact that the reason why that's even that aspect is legal in the first place is because it's actually within the Misuse of Drugs Act, it's legal to be in possession of drugs if you are destroying them or handing them over to the police. Um, and as that's what we are doing, and we're doing it with the, with the understanding and the consent of the police, which we always m- make sure we um, obtain explicitly, before we ever provide a service, we make sure that we're kind of the right side of the, the Misuse of Drugs Act um, on, on that respect. And then the other kind of element is we ensure that we're not ever uh, condoning or encouraging uh, drug use, because that could be, if, if, if we were doing so, that could be interpreted as, as um, incitement to commit a crime. So we have to make sure that all the information that we provide is not condoning drug use. And we're very careful about the language that we use and we uh, read a very clear disclaimer about what, what our advice is for and, and, and its limitations. Um, and that helps ensure that we do maintain the right side of the law. Yep, all makes sense. So, okay, so those using the service, correct me if I'm wrong, but the idea behind it is so that you can actually find out what the content of your drugs are because of recent issues with adulteration, pills of really high purity, or drugs being sold for something that they're not with varying strengths. So the point of the service is then in order to find out the content so you could dose yourself accordingly or choose to dispose if they weren't what you said they were. So all these things have the potential to reduce the likelihood of having a, like a terrible time or potentially an overdose. And these are all positive arguments for the drug service. So what would be the negative arguments for the loops drug testing? Yeah, I mean, in terms of, uh, I guess, uh, perhaps perhaps the, the negative arguments that, that, that have been leveled against us, um, or, the, or the kind of misconceptions that are leveled against us, is obviously... The chief one is that that providing a service like this could in some way uh, condone drug use and encourage drug use um, or, or even increase drug use. And that that's something that's, that's commonly kind of leveled against us. But actually, at least from what we've seen, uh, that's certainly not the case. We, you know, we haven't increased drug use at festivals and events. Um, and in fact, we have a few statistics that kind of have come out of our testing, which kind of back that up. Um, uh, one in particular is that so at festivals where we've operated at and events, uh, between 
10 and 20% of service users at any given event after they've received the counseling session uh, then choose to actually hand over the rest of their drugs for disposal. So in, in that case, we're actually removing drugs from circulation. Um, and in particular, we're, we're removing often some of the, 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 the most unwanted, most harmful substances, the ones that are most likely to cause harm. Um, another statistic that we have from, from, from our research, uh, from providing the service, is that uh, between about 40 and 50% of service users, after having used our service, um, have communicated to us that they will actually take less than they had, had planned on taking before. And seeing as what one of the primary concerns of, of drug use is that people don't aren't clear on quite the strength of drugs and, and how how uh, how strong they might be, that they take too much and, and that's what lands them in trouble. So the fact that people are communicating to us that having heard our advice that they're going to take less, that's also a kind of clear indicator that we're kind of reducing harm and also kind of reducing use. Yeah, well, they're fantastic statistics. And let's hope we get more of these. Because is the idea for the loop to expand its service uh, to be implemented more widely? So more festivals, clubs, or city centres, like the loop did earlier this year in Bristol? Is that what the aim is to expand the service? Yeah, we, we'd love to see this service expanded uh, far and far and wide, really. Um, so both at more festivals, I mean, there's obviously some festivals where we probably don't need to be providing a service like this it's probably not so necessary at like you know hey literary festival but you know at a lot of major festivals it, it's very useful and, and even quite quite small events so that the festival that i was at this weekend it's a made festival in birmingham uh, i think that that's about ten thousand people which is a kind of relatively small festival and that that's kind of just festivals there's kind of a limiting sort of factor in terms of of, of how much impact a service can be if it's only being provided at festivals which is that it's only kind of uh, available to the people who've bought ticket and are at that festival uh, so that's why we've also advocated for introducing into city centers where then anyone could use the service and then not just typical kind of recreational drug users but actually kind of other uh, groups of drug users could use our service so in particular kind of opiate drug users potentially uh, and we've actually introduced it so like as you said at Bristol earlier this year and that was our first city centre testing um, and our plan is to, to hopefully be at more in more city centres this year and kind of one of the limiting factors with that is our own limitations we've grown quite rapidly uh, in about three years um, we'd love to be in every city centre providing this you know every weekend but without kind of huge amounts of funding I don't think we'd be able to do that but we'd love to see that obviously. Yeah I would I, I would love to see that and if I was in the UK, I would be volunteering. <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Um, so, okay, so what has been the government's response to this? Has it been quite positive? Or has the government been a barrier to implementing wider, apart from the financial aspects that you've mentioned before? Yeah, it, it's been it's been interesting. Um, so until recently, the Home Office had sort of been remaining pretty quiet on the issue, and and, and not kind of de- deciding either, you know, not 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 passing any judgment either way. Which, although that hadn't acted as a major barrier, it also hadn't. Uh, hadn't helped either because there were some festivals who used the fact that that the Home Office hadn't explicitly kind of endorsed it or hadn't hadn't explicitly kind of acknowledged the service that it was somehow uh, against the law or, or against kind of gov- uh, Home Office uh, kind of policy. That changed at least to some extent, I think two or three weeks ago now, uh, when uh, so the Labour MP for Bristol West, uh, Thangham Debonair, actually secured a a debate in Parliament specifically on drug testing services, where the Home Office Policing and Fire uh, Minister actually issued a response from, from, from the Home Office, so he's a Home Office Minister, uh, where he said the Home Office uh, wouldn't stand in the way of drug testing services like the Loops. Um, and in particular, it would actually sit down with uh, police forces and, and, and with the National Police Chiefs Council uh, and talk about how it can provide clarity and, and communicate um, the value of these services to police forces so that they can be aware of what they should be aware of, but also uh, the value of a service like this. So kind of tentatively positive. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think it's a great move. I mean, to say that it's only been in festival since 2016, I think it's quite a positive, well, tentatively positive response from the government. Okay, so I have maybe an odd question but I'll give it a go. So I'd heard from uh, like media reports from The Loop that some of the results or drugs that were coming to be tested from festival goers were not as they seemed. For example, there was plaster of Paris or anti-malaria tablets that were coming up as uh, pills or cocaine. And so from that, my question is, what is the cheekiest replacement that you've seen or tested? So for example, when I was volunteering... Uh, last year, I tested ketamine that actually turned out to be table salt. So the poor soul had been charged 20 quid for a gram of table salt. So have you actually tested or found something similar? Yeah, yeah, we, we certainly have. We see some inter- really interesting things. I mean, it's it's interesting that you mentioned salt as one, because at one festival where, where we were testing, where we were actually testing amnesty bin samples rather than samples direct from the public, someone had clearly confiscated about 20 or so gram bags of what looked like kind of MDMA. Um, so clearly someone was planning on selling this 
as bags of MDMA on site because they had 20 all bagged up in individual grams. And it looked kind of surprisingly regular. So we tested it and it turned out it was just coarse table salt, which someone had been planning on obviously making a packet selling. Um, so that's one. But we, you know, we see similar things. Also sugar. I mean, essentially anything that's a white powder or crystal uh, typically gets sold. Um, we've seen several pills that have been pressed from plaster of Paris. That's a, that's quite a common one, actually. Uh, what, what else have we seen? Anti-malarial tablets are surprisingly common. They seem to come up every year. Someone keeps selling crushed anti-malarial tablets uh, as either cocaine or as ketamine, which is, is kind of interesting. Um, it is, and it surprises me because I swear that anti-malarial tablets wouldn't come cheap. No, I mean, it, our, our, our sort of our thoughts the first year they came around is maybe this is someone fresh from their gap year that has some left over and they thought, well, I'll just crush them and sell them. But then it comes off, comes up with enough frequency and, and it's clear, clearly with, with, with enough certainty that it's this, this substance that clearly there's some reason why someone is selling it, whether it presumably has some psychoactive effect or something. Uh, but or or someone just for some reason has a job lot of it and decides to make make some money off it every year. But yeah, it, it comes up with surprising uh, regularity. Yeah, well, that is surprising. So, could you tell us about the campaign that the Loop are running? Yes, yes. Uh, so there is a crowdfunding campaign running at the moment uh, to to raise funds for the Loop so that we can be in more places. Uh, the kind of ideal aim, if we could kind of raise enough money, is we would love to have kind of five regional hub, hubs. Cause at the moment. You know, we have some lab equipment, but it tends to live in Manchester, which means that we need to be on the other side of the country. It needs to be taken there. What we would love to have is like five regional labs, which could kind of cover different areas of the UK. Uh, and so that if you go to the, the Loop website, which is wearetheloop.org, you can follow the links to, to, to the crowdfunding page. Or equally, if you go to crowd.science, you can find it on, on the crowdfunding page directly. There's also a, a, a sort of something that's come out of that is uh, a few months ago uh, uh, an artist a secretive artist called chemical x who makes uh kind of big uh art pieces out of uh supposedly ecstasy pills uh donated a, a piece of artwork which is worth fifty thousand pounds to the loop uh which we are offering up as a competition for anyone who would like it um, uh, for two pounds so it's two pounds for a text uh, you have to answer a short question and you can again you can find the information for this on the loop website um, and I, I mean the artwork that's that's available is really cool so i'd suggest you go and have a look at it if you're interested but yeah it's two pounds to enter and you may well win so i would recommend you do and the funds go to help support the loop awesome i've entered that competition and i've also bought a drugs wheel uh, which is cool. Uh, so yeah, you've been basically buying many things in order to donate. It's great. So get online. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the the drugs wheel is it's a poster that's been designed by uh, someone whose name I can't remember now. But they they design these drug wheels, which sort of sort of divides drugs into different kind of categories and makes it sort of easy to understand. And uh, he's actually designed a specific one for the loop, which is bespoke, which has. Um, sort of different adaptions specifically for our for our uses. So yeah, and you, you can get one of those if if you um, donate enough money into the crowdfunder. Great. So my final question to ask you is about a golden ticket. 
Okay, so if you were given a golden ticket for one drug policy to be implemented immediately, what would you choose and why? Or, on the flip side, what one drug policy would you remove and why? Yeah, um, I mean, that's, that's interesting. Um, okay, well, if, if, if we're going with, oh, I don't know, it's tricky. <laughs> um, okay, so if, if we're going on the UK drug policy, seeing as we have the psychoactive substance uh, the Psychoactive Substances Act, which essentially what, what that does is allow possession but prevent supply. Um, I think the most effective drug policy uh, implementation or removal that could be enacted in one fell swoop would be to remove the Misuse of Drugs Act. And what that would do is then all the drugs that are currently uh, scheduled in the mis- uh, uh, controlled under the Misuse of Drugs Act would automatically fall under the Psychoactive Substances Act, which would essentially decriminalise all those drugs. I think that would be the easiest way to decriminalise all those drugs rather than working through it individually. So I guess that would be my one my one choice, I think. I mean, I prefer to see sensible regulation of, of all drugs right the way across the board, but I guess that would involve more than one policy. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. And how you've described it sounds ridiculously easy. So I reckon, you know, we should just do it. (laughs) Well, thank you for the interview. It was great talking to you and finding more about The Loop. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I enjoyed, enjoyed talking. That was great. And that was the interview with Henry Fisher. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you think that The Loop's work is worth a couple of quid, please, please, please check out their campaign on The Loop's website, wearetheloop.org. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.